Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Play On Review. We are not here on Insta Live this week. We are just podcasting. You get a special pod version of the Play On Review. I am Rana Hussain and with me every week, as always, is my best on ground AFLW analyst, Gemma Bastiani. Welcome. It's nice to see you. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. We have both had an incredible week an incredibly busy week. Is your head about to explode, Gemma? I'm just so incredibly tired, but also have about 600 things in my head that I would love to write or do this week, given that the AFLW Home and Away season is over, that I feasibly can't do fit in, but I would love to write 12 different articles this week. So I'm like buzzing a little bit. I feel very much the same, given everything that's happening politically, um, globally, but also in the world of football. I have about 50 um, opinion pieces I want to write, but (laughs) I probably won't write any because uh, I'm also the parent of a six-year-old who's really done my head in this weekend, (laughs) as you know, and I have no energy left. But that's probably how a lot of people are feeling because we made it to the end of the AFLW season. Should we also mention, because in the preview uh, we talked about what was happening over the weekend, should we also mention the program we were involved in for the last three days, which is why this recording had to happen today? Yes. Tell us what you were doing over the weekend, Gemma. Well, you were also involved um, just for (laughs) fewer days. Um, So I was involved in the ABC's inaugural um, commentary program designed to help create a pathway for women in sports commentary, particularly in footy, um, which meant we got together on Friday at the ABC and then Saturday we're at Arden Street calling the North Melbourne Fremantle game and then back at the ABC yesterday. So it was a really full-on weekend, particularly given some very important games were happening while we were in those sessions as well. So I've been just trying to catch up on everything. And uh, yeah, it was really great. Uh, I very much enjoyed it, got a lot out of it. And uh, someone should hire me to do special comments uh, is what I'm saying. Please do. Please do. <laughs> you smashed special comments. Uh, it was a really great program. I unfortunately missed a lot of it because um, we ended up 
doing a trip to the Royal Children's um, with a sick child. So we made it in the end, but um, suffice to say, both of us have not had a lot of live footy watching this weekend um, or squeezing it in in between <laughs> doing lots of different things, but such is the life of busy women like us. Um, <laughs> but we're still here to talk about it and we will be till the end of finals, after which point we will transition into the men's season. So yes, we will. <laughs> a little bit more on that later. We're still we're here till the end though for AFLW, which is exciting. And yes, it was a weird way to finish up the main season for us, but um, it felt like um, a round of close finishes. Really, um, it just was like a nice way to finish the season that has been the most competitive, the most exciting, I think, uh, to have some really close finishes. We'll start, though, with Western Bulldogs versus Richmond on Friday night at Witten Oval. Uh, I was talking to you on the phone driving home because I was on the radio, um, so I missed a lot of this game, <laughs> um, and I was talking to you while it was on, um, and you were interjecting, which was delightful, um, <laughs> your thoughts about the game. Uh, Western Bulldogs ended up winning 7-3-45 to Richmond's 5-2-32. The Bulldogs finished their season on a high with that 13-point win uh, at Witten Oval, which I believe is called the Katie Brennan Cup. Um, <laughs> she didn't quite get the last laugh in the end, but she did kick three and the Tigs gave it to them in that third quarter. Um, but the Bulldogs limited Monconti, which I bet would have felt good because she also used to play for Western Bulldogs and this is the first time they've faced each other right that that's something that I think the Tigers have redeemed this year they obviously went winless last year but they had those three wins this year but they were ultra competitive in most of their games and they were able to find scores which was something that they really struggled with last year and that included Katie Brennan kicking 14 goals. She kicked one goal last year for them. And then Wakefield kicked nine. She kicked four last year for them, which was the leading goal kicker for Richmond. So the other big part of this is that they ended up with 84.6% on the ladder. That's a massive, massive indicator of how much they've improved, given the fact that they finished with 35.7% last year. So Yes, they might have still lost six games. They only won the three, all that sort of stuff. But they were far more competitive in the games that they lost than they were last year. Yeah, that's it's interesting that the stats back that up because uh, as a Richmond fan and whenever I speak to Richmond fans, they feel the same. They feel like this season was actually kind of a win, which it was always going to be because when you're coming from no wins at all yeah. <laughs> in the season, um, you know, anything they did, you know, one win would have felt that way. But it really feels like they're they're clicking and there's something big coming for them. I can't wait to see what they come up with next year. Um, But let's talk about Western Bulldogs. Like we said, they finished on a high, lots of pressure, and I was really impressed how much they managed to shut Mon Conti down. Yeah, so this was our talking point after round one. Brisbane were able to limit Conti to just 12 disposals and it really, um, it it impacted the way the Richmond midfield operated. So yes, there are other players around her that are really good, but it it starts with her. It's kind of like Carlton with Prasparkas. Usually it starts with Prasparkas and then the rest happens around her. Conti is that for Richmond. Um, So keeping her again to just 12 disposals, 
uh, I think really helped, but it was the pressure that the dogs applied around the ball carry as well. That was really important. It was the, it's the way they've been able to beat good sides this year. Kirsty Lamb, I think, uh, has had a huge impact on that this year as well. She's uh, it's arguably been her best season in the her five. Mm. Um, I also have uh, from the top of my head, and I should have looked this up before wanting to say this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Go out on a limb. She is the, <laughs> do she, it. She was the last drafted player in the 2016 draft to still be playing this year. Kirsty Lamb. So wait, 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 wait. Say that again. She's the last drafted player to still from that inaugural draft to still be playing in 2021. Oh, yeah. So wow, that was a little bit convoluted what I said. But more what I'm saying is, Kirsty Lamb has grown and grown and grown and grown yeah. to become just this stalwart of the dogs um, after being, you know, one of the last selected players in that 2016 draft. So I think that's. That's something for her to hold her head high with. She's She had 23 touches, seven tackles, four clearances, and 326 metres gained in this game as well. So she was just throwing her body at everything. It was almost like this desperation that she wanted to make sure they ended their season on a high, and she definitely led them to that. Uh, I really liked their game, and I have all season. What's next for the dogs, do you think? Well, I mean, they've got plenty to build on from here because, yeah, we've talked about Kirsty Lamb. But look at all the young players that they have that have that just elite talent that just needs to be a little bit more consistent. So Jess Fitzgerald Mm. started the season with a bang. She didn't drop off dramatically, but she wasn't having those big impacts that she did earlier in the season. There's some other players like Gabby Newton and a few other young guns, Sarah Hartwick, who have been very, very good this year. But if they can hit that higher note more often throughout the season next year, then the dogs are a team to be reckoned with. So good to see Bonnie too good um, on the tally and the next day as well yeah. doing special comments. Um, she's a ripper. Uh, I also thought we got um, Mark of the Year from Ali McKenzie just quietly. but Well, between <laughs> her and Darcy Vessio's marks and um, there was another one that I Cranston? Can't... Cranston? Cranston's mark was quite good. I feel like there was another one last week that was really oh, no, good was too. Um, yeah, there, there have been a bunch recently that are really exciting. I, I can't wait to see all of that. Do we know when a BNF is happening? It got announced the other day. I haven't looked. I'll put the date in the show notes. Oh, uh, apologies. I think it's reasonably soon, actually. I'll double check. Oh, I can't wait. I just think back to last year's BNF when we were all sitting on the couch um, watching Maddie Prisparkus. Well, can we just say that they only read out the last three rounds or something and it was just like oh let's bang this out in half an hour can we please get more this year because we want to watch the ceremony of it even if it does have to be an online event um because you look at the effort they went to for the brownlow and all of that despite covid situations surely they can do better for the women as well oh you're speaking my language i just want a proper red carpet (laughs) <laughs> and I will. I think it's by the, the coral way, carpet. Yes, the coral carpet. I am available to interview to host it, on yep. the coral carpet. Host the coral carpet, please. If anyone's listening to this, get me in there. <laughs> AFL Nadine Rubber, get me in there. <laughs> Look at us just um, spreaking for jobs on this podcast. <laughs> um, We're at that point, let's. We only have gone through one game, so we should probably move on. But I will tell you who I voted for. Mm-hmm. And this is, are these our last votes? 
They are. So we will have a, a winner come come the next couple of days. I'll be posting that on our socials. Oh, that's very exciting. Uh, I went with Brooke Lachlan, one vote. Mm-hmm. 23 Georges, touches. 23 touches. Georgia Stasis. Georgia Stathis. Georgia Stathis. Uh, apologies. Strong Greek name. For re- yeah, it's great Greek name game. Um, <laughs> um, for shutting down Monconti, as we've talked about, I gave her two votes and Lamb three votes as discussed. What about you, Gemma? Yeah, so I've given one to Eleanor Brown. She's been incredible all season. Um, she had 14 intercepts in this game, which is a personal high, but also only six players in or six times in the history of AFLW has a player had more than 14 intercepts in a game. Eleanor Brown was massive in terms of that high-marking forward line of Richmond. Um, I've given two to Katie Brennan. She kicked three goals. She did lead from the front, so you got to give her the two. And then three to Kirsty Lamb, as we've discussed. I know. I felt guilty. I did. I had Brennan on there, and then I deleted her. And Can't <laughs> fit everyone in. Can't fit everyone in. I know. I felt so disloyal, but there you go. Let's move on to... The game that we talked about up top that up top that you were commentating for um, as part of this ABC course, North Melbourne versus Freo on Saturday at Arden Street. North Melbourne just pipped Freo in a cracking game, four six thirty to Freo's four five twenty nine. I mean, oh, you can't get closer than that. North Melbourne have snuck now into that last final spot. Um, obviously beating Freo by one point in an absolute thriller, none of which I actually got to watch, um, as I said. So you're going to have to tell me the story of this game. But going into this, North had everything to lose. Yeah, so they needed to win this to confirm their spot in the finals. Um, They got the quick start, which a lot of teams have done on on Fremantle uh, this year, but it was a real arm wrestle after that. And the big question was, how do they cover Bruton? And Ash Riddell mm. has been brilliant all season, but she really kind of took a different role in this game. She stepped into that role that Bruton would normally have while also maintaining the things she does well every single week, which I think mm. is just remarkable. So she had 33 disposals, which is a career high, nine clearances, seven inside fifties, 492 meters gained. So she was getting the ball and also making the most of it when she did have the ball, which I just think was brilliant. But also there was a real disparity in game styles in this one. Um, North kept their width. So uh, Caitlin Ashmore sits on the outside. She never gets sucked into the contest. So there's always that outlet. So North want to mm. win the ball in the middle, hit it wide to the wing. So it's an Ashmore or it's a, Bateman if she's pushing up the field or it's a Garner if she's on the outside and then through those wings get it inside 50. So watching Ashmore have the maturity and the experience to not get sucked into that contest but to keep that space was really, really incredible to watch and and it must be such a joy to have a player like Ashmore, how smart she is and aware she is um, to be able to exploit that, um, which I think was just really good. And then obviously um, they got the win out of it as well, so... Yeah. Um, that's the first time I've really understood that, like, footy talk properly when you say kept their width. Oh. You explained that really well, so thank you. Oh, okay. I, I actually I just understood what you were saying. And it, normally <laughs> I understand, like, 70, 50 to 70%. So <laughs> well taught. See, I've even progressed in this season. <laughs> 
gotten better. Um, Redoubt certainly turned up in the highlights package, that's for sure, which I was watching furiously before this podcast. Uh, you said it was um, North Melbourne got the quick start. I feel like it was the round of quick starts, really, that people, that people, teams who got the quick start ended up winning the game mostly. Um, there's a few exceptions. But the Dockers started slow again and really... I felt like watching this back and looking at the scores, that's kind of what lost the game for them. Yeah, so the Dockers throughout the nine home and away rounds have kicked three goals 12 in first quarters, which is 8% of their score for the season. Mm. They just take that quarter to get going and it's it's resulted in last gasp losses for them because they haven't been able to get that early score board pressure on and come finals you're playing the best of the best teams. You can't afford to let teams get the jump on you. And that's probably just a bit of worry. But the interesting thing, we talked about North keeping their width and that sort of thing. Freo play a very different game style. They want to, it's almost like um, an economy of possession. They want to make the most with their possession when they've got it, which means they don't do a lot of handballing around the contest or moving laterally. They just want to go forward every time. So they were propelling the ball up through the corridor while North were getting it to the outside and, and doing it that way. So it was an interesting game to watch in terms of those game styles working very differently against one another. The other thing that was really interesting was that Emma O'Driscoll started in the forward line and, and I was standing with Julia Montesano who uh, does the preview with me every week and as soon as they were lining up for their to, to, for the first bounce, I just got really excited. I was like, O'Driscoll starting forward and it seemed that uh, she was playing a, almost a defensive forward role on Jess Duffin and she was able mm. to keep Jess Duffin to I think it was 12 or 14 possessions. It was, it was reasonably low for Duffin as well. So that was a really interesting move by um, Fremantle to try and nullify that. It also saw Sarah Veria, the first-year player, playing in defence as well. So that was interesting. And the other thing that stood out, um, for the second week in a row, Roxy Rue has really tried to pull the team on her back and really get the game going for them. And it's the impact of her of the small things she does that does, says a lot. So she only had the seven disposals and two contested marks, but they're always at crucial times and she always does it in a way that is encouraging to get her team up and about. And it's just a mm. joy to watch, really. I will give you my votes, um, which, like I said, was a little bit high because I didn't watch the game in full, but... From highlights and studying the stats, I'm going with Kiara Bowers, one vote, mm-hmm. Randall, two, and Riddell, three. So I've given one to Ghana. The reason I say this is because there are a couple of key moments where she took marks on the goal line when North shots were dropping short. And it was just her awareness to be in the right positions that really helped North um, – maybe have a second crack at something that otherwise would have been wasted. Um, it wasn't mm. always, it didn't always result in a goal, but she gave them that extra chance, which I think was really important. Um, I've given two to Bowers, brilliant, um, and then three to Ashradal, as we've talked about. Let's get to Melbourne versus Brisbane 
which was on Saturday at Casey Fields. Melbourne just pipped Brisbane at the post. 6-2-38 to Brisbane, 6-0-36. Gemma's got a lovely smile on her face. I wonder why. <laughs> I'm going to start. Well, so Daisy Pierce ends up being the story of this game um, with an injury. They're calling it knee soreness, but she went off. So it's an MCL. Um, they announced yesterday that she'll miss this week coming. But there's a chance if Melbourne wins through that she'll be available for the following week. So we just all have our fingers crossed for Daisy and for Melbourne to get the win because Daisy deserves to play finals. Does she ever? Daisy deserves everything Everything. in life. (laughs) Both teams are efficient, which is unusual for the Ds, I'll say. Um, But not so much for the Lions. Uh, You have a, a great stat for this. Yeah, so obviously Brisbane kicked 6-0-36, so they had 100% scoring efficiency. Um, it's the fifth time in AFL history that a team has gone at 100% in front of goal um, in terms of scoring shots. Um, only once has the team that has had 100% scoring efficiency won the game. Melbourne has been involved in four of these games. And Melbourne has won. Oh. Melbourne's won three and lost one of them, and this obviously being one of their wins. So it's just I just found that really interesting on a completely it's separate note to everything else going on. So weird because you hear efficiency and you think that's a good thing, but it's not really when it comes to winning the game in the end. Yeah. And same story is the same here well uh, sorry to is- interrupt you as well i should also add that there's an extra layer of this in terms of melbourne is playing Fremantle next week in finals this week coming uh the only loss melbourne's had against a team that went at 100 percent scoring efficiency was Fremantle. oh yeah wow that is another layer yeah oh i can't wait for that game now I a Melbourne better kick straight. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to be a happy runner if they don't. <laughs> so let's talk about Melbourne then, uh, because you know Daisy Pierce is the big name, but it's their young crew mm-hmm. that are really stepping up for them. Yeah. So this was uh, we all know how amazing Alyssa Bannon is. We've all seen her kick goals earlier this season and how excited she gets when she kicks goals, but. The other thing is we know that she's got that run. We know she's got speed. We haven't seen a lot of it this year. In this game, we finally saw a bit of that run and carry that speed into the forward line um, from her on on multiple occasions. So that is incredibly exciting in itself. looks like she's got that confidence. We've talked about Tyler Hanks a lot, but she is just such a consistent performer for them, both in the midfield and she can go into a forward role and kick goals. So... Again, she's eligible for the Rising Star, so she's only 20, I think, or just 21. Um, Shelley Heath, she was in a one-on-one against Courtney Hodder for much of the day because Shelley Heath has that speed and pressure that can match Courtney Hodder. Hodder kicked that incredible goal, but that was because Heath got chopped off by her own teammate in terms of her chase on Hodder, but she was keeping up mm. with her till that point. So Shelly Heath, another one, she had 14 disposals, four tackles and eight intercepts in this game. Um, and then Eden Zanka, sorry to interrupt, you go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that also just tells you that you give Courtney Hodder an inch and she'll take a mile. Take a mile. Yeah. 
Um, and Eden Zanker, I shot out a tweet today about the change between Eden Zanker's first five rounds of the season and the um, last four rounds when she was moved into the midfield and her numbers have just skyrocketed. Her, The way she moves the ball, her influence on the game, her two-way impact on games as well, not just in attack but also in defense. Eden Zanker has just gone to this whole new level in the later part of this season and she's going to be a weapon come finals. Um, I love Zanka. I've given her a vote in my three, two, ones. Before we get there, though, um, just on Daisy Pierce, we did get a listener question from Nick Hopkins on Twitter, who says, well, and asked the question really, we're all thinking, who comes in for Daisy Pierce, like for like, or should Mick Stineer shuffle the magnets? Yeah, so there's a few options that Melbourne has. And I think the fact that Meg Downey came back last week, had a, has a, had a reasonably strong game. She didn't do anything remarkable, but she got through the game and it was all good. Um, that gives them a little bit more flexibility. So maybe you bring in an Emerson into that back line and then move Brenna Tarrant into the forward line because Brenna Tarrant is a forward who has been playing in defence. So maybe that's the shuffle they can make. Um, Emerson provides really clean kicking out of defence, um, which is something that Tarrant has been doing really well this year. Um that's one option. I mean, you can shuffle um, Tyler Hanks into the forward line and move someone else into the midfield. There's a few different things they can do, but uh, personally I'd like to see Tarrant get some time up forward and, and Emerson mm. come back in. All right. Well, then now what do you think – what are your hopes for finals? Put aside your fan hat and put your expert hat on. Well, going back to those numbers that I set, tweeted out last night um, in terms of each top six side uh, – performance against other top six sides Melbourne have the best record they've won four lost mm. one the only other side that's and I think it's 104 percent in that in those five games the only other side that has played five of the all five of the other top six is Brisbane who have won three lost two Melbourne is the team that has consistently beaten the best teams uh so mm. there's no reason to think they can't go all the way I am so excited. (laughs) I'm nervous because Adelaide and Brisbane get this week off and I think that they will be so much better for it. Well, Brisbane are Um, at the disadvantage of the Queensland lockdown as well, the Brisbane lockdown. Absolutely. Can I also flag that um, Kathy Svark in this game, she had 21 tackles, which equaled Ebony Marinoff's tackle record. Yeah. Uh, she also had 15 disposals and five intercepts. So Kathy Svark continues to be just phenomenal. And we've talked about Kathy Svark for a few weeks now. She tends to crop up in our reviews because she just is, has been building, I think. Well, she does. Her two way play is the best in the competition. Her and Kiara Bowers are probably mm. the two that run both ways consistently brilliantly. Well, that is a perfect segue into my votes. I gave Zanka one, Spark two, and Scott three. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned that Shelly Scott kicked three goals. Um, <laughs> yes. So three I've, votes for three goals. <laughs> I've given Kathy Spark the one because, yeah, 21 tackles. She did She did a lot to limit Karen Paxman earlier in the game as well. So it took Paxman a while to get into this game. I've given two to Shelly Scott, three goals. She's so dangerous in the forward line. You can't, you can't like rest on her for a second because she will hurt you. She's so smart in terms of winning the ball off a pack. 
um, and then being able to turn and just her awareness of where the goals are um, is just so important. And that resulted in these three goals. And then I've given the three to Eden Zanker. Uh, she had 25 disposals, four tackles, six inside 50s and five clearances in this game. Shelly Scott will hurt you is the T-shirt I need in my life. I love Shelly Scott. Please make it happen. <laughs> siren. siren. Siren sport. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I am wearing a siren T-shirt as we speak. Yes. Are they still on sale, Gemma? They are still on sale. Leaguetees.com.au. Head there. Ah, beautiful. I still haven't worn mine yet. I'm too nervous to wear it because I know coffee will get spilt on it. <laughs> we have had... So just... Um, really encouragingly we've had a lot of people message us saying i saw a siren sport t-shirt at the game on the weekend and it's people in all different states as well it's not just victorian people it's people in new south wales and adelaide just being like oh yeah i saw one at the game and it's really just really nice (laughs) this is not a moment it's the movement i'm just (laughs) quoting hamilton if you don't know um if people don't know what we're talking about siren sport have created a t-shirt that says i love women's sport um, and if you do, you should buy one if you haven't already. And the money goes to Siren. Yeah, in conjunction with League Tees, we should shout out Anthony and League Tees for being so incredible in terms of the partnership we've had as well. Well done, League Tees. Heck yeah. Let's move on to a game that wasn't that interesting, but for Geelong getting their first win. Of course, I'm talking about Gold Coast versus Geelong at Metricon Stadium on Saturday, Gold Coast three six twenty four to Geelong six five forty one. Finally, they broke the seal. The question I have for you, yep. Well, two really. What was it that got them the win? Was it the three unanswered goals in the first quarter? What got them the win was the fact that they went into this with nothing to lose and played confident, daring, attacking footy, and. They could have. I know that it's easy to do that against another team that hasn't lost a, uh, hasn't won a game this year in the final round of the season. But there's no reason they couldn't come out and play like this earlier in the season. Have a go, play daring football, and don't be too concerned with flooding your defense. I I needed to make sure I phrased that correctly because you still need to make sure you're defending well. But that shouldn't be your only focus. And the the issue for Geelong is that for much of the year, defence was their only focus because they weren't confident that they had the attack to use that. It's, they've shown in this game that they had the attack the whole time. Every single player that kicked a goal played at least three games this season. There's no reason they couldn't have played this attacking, free-flowing footy the whole time. Did they? Oh, yeah. They did have the most goal kickers they've had. So really... Uh, confidence is the key, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, and just, uh, I guess the trust in one another too has to be there in order to play this kind of footy. Um, Yeah. Yeah, this game to me was just an example of what, um, how important the mental game is Mm -hmm. um, for sides. And, you know, Geelong just seemed to run out there with that extra confidence that they've lacked. And I get it. I get why you lose confidence, but... If you can somehow do something to get it back, you get results. Um, it was Asta O'Connor's re- last game. She's retiring. Um, you've got here, she ended where she began. What did you mean by that? 
Yeah, so Astor's a Queenslander. She started her footy journey up in Queensland playing for the Logan Cobras. Um, and it, it was kind of a beautiful twist of fate that she, they, she ended up playing her final game in Queensland against the Suns for whom Jade Progelli plays. Um, Jade Progelli looked up to Asta as a junior and they formed a really formidable Ruck Rover duo through a lot of premierships at Logan. And then Asta moved to Melbourne to play for Darabin and, and Jade obviously stayed in Queensland. But, you know, it was kind of incredible how all these years later, Asta played in all of those exhibition games throughout 2013 to 2016 she's played 32 games at AFLW level including a 2018 premiership for the dogs and the fact that her footy journey in terms of playing ended in Queensland against her old I guess mentee almost um I just love that it's that time of the season isn't it where we say goodbye to a whole bunch of people and in AFLW it feels extra stingy when the retirements come in yeah Um, because you know how hard they're doing it you know that some of them would stay on if it was a better environment you know financially and it wasn't such a hard slog Um, so it's always really it's get the tissues out time well and the fact that it took so long for them to be able to get to this point because it didn't exist whereas the young girls coming through now they get to do that when they're 18 um, if, they, if they are good enough, you know. So it's it's hard to see senior players retire after five seasons and 32 games when you know that in a couple of years' time there'll be players playing 100 games and playing full seasons and things like that. So people like Asta did the work so that others can benefit from it in the coming years and, um, you know, how well you think she played this year or in her season or how much you like her as a player, don't ignore what impact Astor O'Connor has had on footy. It's been as significant as Daisy Pierce, as significant as Aaron Phillips, as Darcy Vessio. So please remember that. And we should also mention that Sally Riley, um, this wasn't announced mm. prior to the game, but Sally Riley has also retired. Um, she played 23 games across the Adelaide Crows and Gold Coast Suns. She played in that 2017, that inaugural premiership at the Crows. She um, she came into the Suns as a senior player to be an off-field leader effectively. And I think her stamp on that club um, is significant as well. So props to Sally Riley too. You're so right in that there will be a day when we look back on these names and think, gosh, that wasn't much time in the system. Um, but given that, like what they have achieved is immense. Let's do our three, two, ones. <laughs> I gave Howarth one, mm-hmm. Barber two, and Cranston three, and I was so happy to give her three. She's been around for a while too, and I was just like, I don't know why. I just am always happy when it's the older. Actually, no, that's tr- not true. I'm happy when it's the younger ones too, but there's <laughs> something about it when it's the older players that I go, yeah, you get it. Get it, girl. <laughs> um, I gave Cranston one. Um, I gave Kalinda Howarth two because I think she's had – Cranston equally, but um, Howarth has had a tough year. She's been used higher up the field trying to get her involved in games more because of the makeup of this Suns side given injuries they've had and she kind of finally got to kick those two goals and have that impact forward that 
she knows she can have. Um, so that's why I've given her the two. And then three to Amy McDonald. She, if she does not, I, mm. I've said this last week, if she does not win DeLong's BNF, then there is something wrong. <laughs> I suspect she will. Let's go to a game that's totally took me by surprise. Adelaide versus Collingwood on Sunday at Norwood Oval. Adelaide thumped Collingwood 4731 to Collingwood's 2517. I did not expect this result. I expected a much closer game, but Adelaide have now secured a minor premiership and they get a week off. So, Gemma, what happened to the Pies? You've talked about the way Collingwood normally propel the ball out of defence, um, but they were shut down this time with Adelaide restricting their ability to make a clean exit. Yeah, so. You look at the numbers and Schleicher and Livingston both had high numbers, but the way that they were able to to do that, particularly Livingston, was restricted in a way. So I, I see this game and I see the way Adelaide approached it almost as a chess match, and there are a couple of small strategies in key areas that allowed Adelaide to get on top, and one of them was having Woodland, Ash Woodland, play a one-on-one matchup role on Stacey Livingston. Stacey Livingston likes to get off her one, like her direct opponent, take those intercept marks or drop back behind the ball and be almost a goalkeeper and then propel the ball back out, which is great. But when you've got someone like Ash Woodland, who is very agile, very quick at ground level and still reasonably strong, Livingston had to be much more accountable to her, particularly given the fact that Jordan Allen and Lauren Butler are out for the rest of the season in from this um, Collingwood defence. Because she had to play more accountable, she couldn't do things as freely as she wanted to do. And yes, when she got the ball, she did a lot with it. But when the ball was coming in, she couldn't defend in the way that she wanted to. And that was the difference. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I would call this one-on-one matchup a nil-all draw. Ash Woodland kicked a goal. Mm. Um, You know, she was good. Livingston still had, I think, 411 metres gained. I'd call it a nil-all draw, which means that Adelaide comes out on top because then Livingston didn't win the battle. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I fully understand 100%. (laughs) That makes it sound like you don't understand. (laughs) 
no, I was distracted, but I do understand. So what you're saying is basically this game was um, Matthew Clark's gambit. Yeah, if you want to put it that way, then yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a really good gag and you gave me nothing. <laughs> so- <laughs> I never give you anything. Listeners, that was for you. Uh, (laughs) I liked Ash Brazel up forward. I thought it was interesting and useful to set up Malloy. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Collingwood had to try something, didn't they? Hmm. Um, Given the way Adelaide played that defensive line, um, as in Adelaide played Collingwood's defensive line, Brazel could have been used maybe effectively in that back line as well maybe like pretty much you just needed two two of them but the the mm. other the other small strategy that Adelaide employed that worked really well was the pressure around the ball they just worried Collingwood out like into making poor decisions or using the ball poorly and it set the tone straight off the bat so as soon like at the very first bounce you saw the pressure Adelaide wanted to apply and that was how it went for the rest of the game. Um, Rochelle Martin and Hannah Button, the sisters, they laid 19 tackles between them. And I think them being in the side this year has allowed players like Hatchard to play a more damaging outside game because they don't have to be the in and under players anymore. So Hatchard's able to get to the outside, deliver the ball forward rather than be handballing out of congestion. I do love watching high-pressure sides. That's the kind of football I enjoy seeing. Um, so I really enjoyed this, but uh, was so surprised. But it, but I was then surprised that I was surprised because we've talked about Collingwood um, kicking and marking being their strength. Um, well, and the fact that this the, was their first time out of Melbourne as well. Yes, very true, actually. What do you reckon about them then next week against North? I, I am so excited to watch that game. Just it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll let you and Julia unpack that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as three, two, ones go, I it was just the superstars for me. Marinoff one, Randall two, and Hatchard three. Yeah. Uh, so I've given one to Rochelle Martin, and mm. I know there are other players that had high tackle counts and things like that, but Rochelle Martin's impact on this team has been huge. Um, and the way she consistently applies that pressure, has, as I said, has allowed other players to play more damaging games. So it's almost a self-sacrificing game because it lets Hatchard do X and it lets Marinoff do Y. So I think Ma- Rochelle Martin has been a revelation for the Crows this year. Um, I've given two to Anne Hatchard. She had 22 disposals, six marks, five inside 50. So again, that outside game of her 22 disposals, 13 were kicks which last year the ratio was completely different. Um, and then I've given three to Brianna Davies. She had 10 tackles for um, Collingwood and went head-to-head with Aaron Phillips for much of the day and absolutely won that battle. So, yeah, Brianna Davies. Well, last thing on Adelaide. Mm. So we mentioned this on the Outer Sanctum last week that they win every second premiership. So they're up for one. They've taken the minor premiership. What do you think their chances are? Uh, I think they're a good side. I don't think that they're necessarily, um, as, as it currently stands, I don't think they're necessarily that much further ahead than any of that top four. Wow. Interesting. Can't wait. It's going to be a great weekend of footy. 
All right. Second last game for the weekend, GWS Giants versus Carlton on Sunday at Blacktown International Sports Park. Uh, the Giants went down to Carlton 4-7-31 to Carlton's 4-8-32, another really close game. GWS came back in the second half but held on Carlton held on for a point with Darcy Vessio leading the way yet again. Tell me something about Darcy Vessio because all I saw was just a superstar doing her thing again, but there are stats surely behind it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Darcy Vessio became the first player to kick 15-plus goals in a season. So um, the previous high was 14, which Darcy kicked in in the first ever season, won the goal kicking. Um, So five years later, she's come back, kicked 16 now, and won the goal kicking again. She's the first player to win it twice. The thing that was even more impressive than her goal kicking though, was the fact that she kicked those goals, but then went to the last line of defense and she took two really important marks on the goal line to save goals that otherwise would have meant Carlton lost the game. So Mm. the flexibility with which she can be used and how reliable she is to do those things, remarkable. She's just a star. Hey, I have a question around the Giants because – It's been a funny old year for them. They started, you know, in just a a world of pain. And really, to me, it feels like they haven't really taken that next step or um, taken another step forward in where they want to get to. Have they stagnated or have they made any ground this season? I think we we need to judge the Giants season separately to what we judge other other teams' seasons, given – what happened in their off-season, how they had to start their season. They've had to deal with a hell of a lot more than what most other sides have. So that's the caveat we need to put over their year. That being said, they've won the same number of games as they did last year, which is four. I think the thing that they need to take out of this is that they need to go into next year with a fresh start. Knowing that they are capable Mm. of winning against good sides they need to go in without the baggage and just start fresh next year because they can become a very good side with the list they've got they proved that this year that they've got far more balance to their side than what we may be anticipated they just need to not have the external stuff as heavy I guess is what I'm saying but Tate Mackerel is a great example of the future for them so she's persisted she's worked incredibly hard to stay on this list she got a two-year contract extension in the past off season um, which previous to that she was being delisted at the end of every every season and and re-rookied or redrafted she kicked two goals in this game she kind of comes into her own as she gets more games under her belt throughout the season so I, she's a she's a player who I'm really excited to watch further develop because we've seen what can happen when she gets some consistent games under her belt, um, how passionate she is, how hard she works. Um, she got the Rising Star nomination in round six last year with 20 touches and I think she had six clearances or something that game. Um, this year in round nine, she, had, she kicked two goals, which is a career high, you know, just just let her move into the season the way she needs and she will have an impact and she will give back to your club. So Tate Mackerel, I think, is a great beacon going forward. What about Carlton? We had some really, really sad retirements. Alison Downey and Katie Loins now finishing up. 
Um, where to for them? Because they came into this season with a lot of hype around them. Yeah. Um, the hype was real and I bought into it. Uh, mm. So Alison Downey has not missed since debuting in round one of 2017. She was drafted at one t- pick, pick 129 in that inaugural draft. She played. She's played 39 games, played in three finals, and she's been immense both in the ruck and in defense for them. So she's a big loss, and she's just a an incredible person in general, I think. Um, and then Katie Lyons, who was their co-captain, she played 36 games, including three finals. They're big holes to fill. Um, there's no ifs or buts around that. They're big holes to fill, but I think they have the young players who are willing to step up into those leadership roles Um Almost immediately, you look at players like um, Lucy McAvoy, who is who was a was a leader in juniors and is going to continue to be a leader. You look at Charlotte Wilson, who doesn't get talked about very often, and probably people don't recognize her in the street. She'll be a leader. Mm. That so they do have the people that can step into that. Those young players just need to know that now's their time. They have they have the confidence. And the other players have the trust in them to step into those leadership roles. And I think that's where the, where they are headed. Mm, draft season will be very interesting, I think. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you my votes for this game. I went with Elise Parker, one vote, Katie Loins two, Empress Parker's three. I just thought she was so dominant. Yeah. Uh, so I've given Tate Mackerel one because, yeah, I think – she really sparked that comeback almost, um, that surge from the Giants. Mm. Um, I've given two to Darcy Vessio because, as I said, she didn't just kick two, half of the score for them, kick two goals up front. Then she dropped into defense and saved two certain goals as well, which was really important. Mm. And then I've given the three to Elise Parker, who just does Elise Parker things. I need to refresh for finals, I think. I really I'm Just really have a long sleep. To... <laughs> a long sleep would be great. I did have a dance before we jumped on mic so that did wake me up a little bit which is <laughs> nice uh, a bit of Bollywood always does the trick last game West Coast versus St Kilda on Sunday at Mineral Resources Park uh, St Kilda absolutely thumped West Coast West Coast 3 220 to St Kilda's 11 10 76 now I was really happy about this because I've been uh, a bit down on the Saints the last few weeks, and I think they would agree that they haven't been playing the way they'd like to. And finally, got the Saints that I was so pleased with at the beginning of the season back. Yeah, well, this goes back to the Geelong conversation where it, they are a team who, if they attack a game with confidence rather than a purely defensive, panicked mindset, um, look at what they can do. And you look at who led this, it was. Tiana mm. Smith and it was Georgia Patrikios. Tiana Smith had 24 disposals, seven inside 50s, kicked an incredible goal and 397 metres gain. That's Tiana Smith in her ninth game of AFLW. She's a – and she had her face taped for most of it too. And then Georgia Patrikios in her second year had 30 disposals, kicked a goal and had seven score involvements. Those two led this team in the middle. Um they kicked their highest ever score, which was 76, obviously, and they had eight individual goal kickers, which is the equal second most in AFLW history. So they did all the right things. And they it sounds easy for me to say they could have been doing this against other teams, but it was the way in which they came out and chose to attack, um, which is what we saw in round one against the Dogs as well. 
they chose to attack and that was a concerted mindset going into the game, mm. they can do this against better teams as well. Of course, and you've been asking for more attack from Saints for a while now and it was so nice to see it and I think there's so much this side can do once they just mature a little bit more. I think they're going to be formidable. Yeah. Uh, the Cali sisters just stole the show, I reckon. Yeah, they've been stars for the Eagles and um, I think people don't realise just how good the two of them are and just how much they impact the Eagles. So Neve Kelly, she had 13 disposals, five tackles, four inside 50s, three running bounces. So what I like about Neve is that she's willing to take it on, she's willing to try things, and she's willing to go. She doesn't take a mark and stop and look. She just goes. And it's not always going to work out. We know that. But she tries to create something for the Eagles when things are a bit stagnant. And I love that because it changes the way her teammates play. And she just Ooh. throws her body on the line as well. She runs. She backs into packs to take contested marks. She runs through stoppages to take the ball. Like She does all those things. And I love watching Neve Kelly play. And you look at Grace, who kicked two goals and had nine disposals. She, again, is willing to take it on. She gets the ball in the forward line and runs. She doesn't. She's not going to stop and try to hit up another target that isn't really a reasonable option. She'll have a crack. She'll have a go and, and kick two goals for them. So I love that. The other thing about the Eagles is they got to round nine. They, are strugg- they were struggling for players. They've had so many significant injuries this year. Um, Paris Laurie was their captain again this Mm. week. She got injured in the warm-up and they couldn't replace her, so she couldn't come out of the side. Um, Caitlin Pope was playing, who is an injury replacement signing, and their two emergencies named for this week were both injury replacement players or training partners, but they couldn't make that switch um, because of some technicality, I think it was. So they struggled through this. They were out on their feet but they didn't give up. And I know that the scoreboard looks bad, but given the circumstances around it, you can't be too disappointed with them. What's next for West Coast, do you think? Oh, there's plenty to build on for the Eagles this year. Like you look at Bowen, you look at Cameron and what she can do in the forward line. You look at Ashling McCarthy, who wasn't in this game, but the impact she can have. You look at the Kelly sisters, Isabella Lewis, who got a rising star nomination last week. There's so much to like about this side. And if this season has taught us anything about them, it's that they don't, they don't give up even when they're in dire circumstances and that is one of the best things you can have like imagine going out for your final round of footy for the year without your captain because they've been suspended for something that was questionable you don't have your vice captain because a knife has slipped off a bench and severed a tendon in her foot your stand-in captain got injured in the warm-up and can barely walk but is still doing everything she can. You don't have your star recruit in Ashling McCarthy because she's injured her knee for the second time this year. Um, you know, all these things were working against them. And they, uh, Maddie Collier got concussed last week and couldn't play. Um, Mackenzie Dowrick was inactive this season because she had some personal issues, some surgery she had to deal with. Like, it just was so much and they still worked out like they were still trying so hard 56 points down at the end of this game like I know it sounds like I'm trying to pump up the Eagles but 
you've got to consider all those things. And it was massive. I, I was, I had a lot of respect for them at the end of this game. I agree. I felt similar when Paris Laurie went down. I thought, oh, they're really up against it. But I was so impressed with their fight. So um, I do have a soft spot for West Coast in my heart. Um, it, this was a very go footy game yeah. for me. Um, and shout out to Casey Simons <laughs> for any mention of West Coast. <laughs> uh, I will tell you my three, two, ones. I gave Mason, Mashin, Matin. One. Three goals. <laughs> yes. Smith, two, and Patrikios, three. So I've given the one to Neve Kelly. I've pumped her up already. Um, two to Patrikios, 30 touches, pretty good. And then three to Tiana Smith because she just, she's amazing. Impact. Oh, I adore yeah. her. She had um, incredible impact on the game. I can't believe that's it. That's the entire 2021 season. Home and away season done home and away season done it feels like a, it feels monumental it feels like it's been going forever but also not yes. I feel I do hearing you rattle off those injuries for west coast I do wonder what if we had the extra few rounds what the state of the game would be <laughs> injury wise um I know more games means it eventually gets better for people's bodies but I feel like it would be a bit of a bloodbath well I mean a longer season probably suggests list sizes get bigger too because we've got to remember the lists are only 30 there's only 30 players on AFLW list whereas in the men's game it's 46 that's a big big difference yeah huge that's so true I actually Having this conversation today has made me really excited for the draft, to be honest, which is such a footy nerd thing to say. But so I'm surprised at myself. Who are you talking to? But man? I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> True, I am really excited to see what who comes through and how people pick. It's going to be very interesting. But I'm getting way ahead of myself because we have a final season to get through. Uh, and this weekend's going to be incredible. Well done for getting through a whole commentary course and still turning up today to review the round that you somehow managed to get across. I also watched the all... Swans game, so I've managed to watch far more football this weekend than I had anticipated. <laughs> Was that your highlight in the men's? Uh, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I um, I feel like I need to at least publicly settle on a side that I go for because I also uh, have had wins and I'm uncomfortable about so much winning. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird, right? Like the past two weeks, past two weeks, uh, Melbourne women, Sydney men and Melbourne men have all won. So I have a soft spot for Melbourne men as well because my family. And it's just I'm not used to all of them winning all the time and it's going to come crashing down eventually. <laughs> it really will. I've had the same. Richmond and Melbourne, both men and women have, well, this week and the women didn't win. So um, I'm coming back down to earth a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I my highlight was probably um, just Dustin Martin again, watching him 
be incredible. Well, I'm just waiting for Logan McDonald to get the round two Rising Star nomination after Errol Goulden got the round one Rising Star nomination. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we will talk more men's footy in the coming weeks. Yes, we we have something brewing for you all. Um, yeah, so just keep your ear to the ground in terms of that. Um, like I shouted this out last week, but I really want to say again, if you have thoughts on what you would like from us in a men's footy podcast, I'd love to hear them because um, we're shaping a thing. But if you have ideas, we're all ears. Thanks so much for chatting with me once again, Gemma. Um, of course, you mentioned you and Julia will be previewing the first weekend of finals, um, which will be a up around Thursday night, Friday morning, wherever you get your podcast, just of course, search play on preview as you have been. Please, if you enjoy Gemma's output, her immense output, uh, buy her a coffee, which basically means send her some cold hard cash (laughs) from your bank account to her bank account. Not doing a good job of this, am I? She would love some love. She is working round the clock doing this work and uh, you can you can just support her financially a little bit and show her how much you love her by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Gemma Bastiani. Um, buy her a coffee. You're the queen of stats. It's official. Is it? The Oracle. <laughs> Official? because yep, I just, I just You made, made it official, it. I just okay. Ratified Nothing it. else happened to yeah. cause that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, we know the best in the business who call games are calling you for stats. So I think that makes you the queen. I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, I'm just going to move on to where people can find me on Twitter. Um, if you go to GL Bassiani on Twitter, you can find me, chat to me, um, ask questions to be answered in the podcast. Um, I'm keen to hear from you. What about you, Rana? You can find me at Rana Hus on Twitter and Rana B. Hussein on Instagram. And you can ask lots of questions of me, uh, just not really footy related because I'll just defer to Gemma. <laughs> I can tell you how I'm feeling about the football. Yeah. And I can tell you what the crowd's been like, how the chips tasted, <laughs> what the lines of the toilets are like. Atmosphere. Um, we're getting back. Atmosphere. Atmos. I'm queen of Atmos. We're getting back to full crowds, which is very exciting. Just hoping this pesky Brisbane virus stays put and doesn't wreak any kind of havoc on our footy season. Yeah, I'm a bit nervous about it, to be honest, but I'm trying to compartmentalise and uh, we'll move on from it. All right, well, move on we will. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. And a reminder, this audio will also be online for you as a podcast, but you know that because you're tuning in as a podcast, so I didn't (laughs) mean to say that. (laughs) You could just, you just, but can you make me sound good today, Gemma, in your edit? (laughs) I'll try. Thank you. Thank you in advance. And thank you for joining us. Have a great week and play on. Play on.